Right. We're on chapter 27. Chapter 27, dealing with the sacraments. And we kind of did a little preliminary, little foundational work last week, and we're going to do some more of it because this chapter is primarily dealing with that. We get into specifics when we'll get into the chapters on baptism and the Lord's Supper. But last week, starting with mainly Catechism question 154, we considered that we, where the sacraments fit in, right? Why, why did God give us the sacraments? Where do they fit in? And we learned that the, the sacraments, and we'll consider this when we look at our first paragraph today, God's given us the sacraments for a purpose. Uh, and these sacraments are intended to communicate with us, to communicate with us. Um, question 154, the outward, the answer, what are, well, the question, what are the outward means, whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of his meditation, his mediation. The outward and ordinary means whereby Christ communicates to his church the benefits of his mediation are all his ordinances, especially the word, sacraments, and prayer, all which are made effectual to the elect for their salvation, right? And then uh, the other questions that we had there. So sacraments are one of the ways God is communicating with us. So then we want to see, well, what is it that they are trying to communicate? And in general, they're communicating a spiritual truth, right? That's the, the, the function of the sacraments, just like the Word, right? The Word communicates, God communicating what's what? What He wants us to know about our salvation, yes, about what Christ has done, yes, about our sanctification, so about our justification, our sanctification, and our glorification. And what's to happen while we're here on earth, how we go about living. Uh, living with one another, living with spouses, uh, living with employers, that is how we interact, and we've gone through that with the fifth commandment, all these relationships, and how we are to uh, act and interact. Uh, so the sacraments, though obviously we don't have sacraments that deal with nearly as much as God's word deals with. Um, so we don't, we don't cover everything in life with a sacrament. So, if the word, and we noted last week that the sacraments don't necessarily tell us or show us anything that God's word doesn't show us, right? So, nothing new, nothing particularly unique in the truth that the sacraments are revealing to us. So then what is it that God is intending to do with the sacraments? Uh, why do we put an emphasis upon them? What is it? So we have that aspect that 
the sacraments fit in right there with God's word and prayer. They're one of the special, one of the particular, one of the most effective ways of revealing to us truth. Truth. Showing something about a spiritual truth concerning the grace that God has shown to us. So if you've got your book, we'll look at page 682, and we'll look at this first paragraph of chapter 27, and we'll get a little more foundational because, again, as I mentioned, this, this chapter is, if I can put it that way, more foundational, what's underlying this, than specifics. So, Westminster Confession of Faith 27.1 says, Sacraments are holy signs and seals. And we hear those words quite frequently, holy signs and seals. But don't miss the next part. Holy signs and seals of the covenant of grace. All right? So there's one of the first things that we need to make sure we take note of. That the sacraments are telling us something, are going to show us something, are going to emphasize something about the covenant of grace. Right? And we're going to look at that, go back and look at it a little bit and talk about it because it's critical. If you don't understand why we have a covenant of grace and what's going on with it, the sacraments are going to be less than meaningful to you, not as meaningful for sure. All right, so fits in, covenant of grace. So sacraments are tied to telling us something about the spiritual truths that are part of the covenant of grace. Holy signs and seals of the covenant of grace immediately instituted by God. And I'll mention something about that in just a minute. Just note that the confession talks about immediately instituted by God. And when you're talking about the uh, circumcision and the Passover, um, obviously Christ is the second person of the Godhead. Christ instituted the Lord's Supper and baptism himself by direct communication. Um, God, in the Old Testament, created or instituted um, circumcision and the Passover, and we'll see that in a minute. But the, the, the questions, uh, we'll, we'll see the distinction made between whether it talks about God or whether it talks about Christ as far as instituting the sacraments. Immediately instituted by God to represent Christ and his benefits and to confirm our interest in him as also to put a visible difference between those that belong unto the church and the rest of the world and solemnly to engage them to the service of God in Christ according to his word, right? So my first question, the function of a sacrament is to be a visible sign, right? We 
probably overstating the obvious, but to be a visible sign that helps us understand the spiritual grace that it represents, right? It is not the spiritual grace, but it is intended to represent. Just like in the Old Testament, the, the lamb and the sacrifice and the shedding of blood, all of those were signs, right? Were things to help the children of Israel understand what we now understand as we look back at the cross, right? All of those things help them understand what was going to happen at the cross, what had to happen for there to be forgiveness of sins. But the sacraments, both of the sacraments, and we, we all of the sacraments, but the ones we now observe, the baptism and all have a connection to and teach us something about the covenant of grace, right? Now, I want to take a few minutes and go back. The covenant of grace is introduced to us in chapter 7. Is entitled of God's covenant with man. Now, it's interesting. Well, let me just read the first paragraph. Because, again, something very important here that sometimes I don't, I don't know that we think about that much. So while we're here, I think it's good for us because, again, it may be that part of the function of the sacraments is to draw our attention to this one thing that I'm going to mention, well, that I'm going to read here that's in this first paragraph. The distance between God and the creature, and the creature's you and me. The distance between God and the creature is so great that although reasonable creatures do owe obedience unto him as their creator, so as our creator, there is a, a, an obedience that's owed to God. Right? Yet, they could never have any fruition, enjoyment, they could never have any fruition of him as their blessedness and reward, but by some voluntary condescension on God's part, which he hath been pleased to express by way of covenant. Now, we're going to see the first covenant, paragraph two of this, the first covenant made with man was a covenant of works, right? Now, you, you, the paragraph we just read, because we think about the covenant of grace, when we think about this, we think about more about the covenant of grace. The covenant of works was, was established, was given by God to bring man into a special relationship with him, into a relationship that lets them enjoy more about him than any other part of his creation can enjoy. The fruition, the way the, the um, confession expresses it, the fruition of him, of him as their blessedness and reward, their enjoyment, 
the, the fruition. I, I couldn't help but think of the, what's the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to do what? And, and so enjoying God. There is no creature on the face of the earth apart from man that can enjoy God the way that's talking about. They're cared for. We know that, right? That not a sparrow falls. God's aware, and God oversees and cares for all of his creation. But he doesn't commune and communicate with the rest of his. The rest of his creation has no appreciation for the love of God. Right? God has condescended and did so in the covenant of works to bring man into a special relationship with him. And remember that because the sacraments are intended to help us focus on the covenants in God's covenant with us. Covenant of works is still in, we talked about that, still in effect, still in place. Every person outside of Christ will be judged according to the covenant of works. One reason you and I, as we're found in Christ, as we've accepted Christ as our Savior, we've been judged according to the covenant of works. It's just that we were judged through Christ. Christ satisfied the covenant of works for you and for me as we are found in him. God sees the perfect obedience. Then on top of that, Christ paid for our sin for when we broke the covenant of works. So, covenant of grace, so. Let me keep going here with chapter 7. The first covenant made with man was a covenant of works wherein life was promised to Adam and in him to his posterity upon condition of perfect and personal obedience. Now, again, when man was created, obviously forming him, creating him as a creature. Uh, God did it in a different way. He spoke for the rest of the creation. He, by his hand, formed man, right? So, different way. And then, what do we know about man's creation, man becoming a living being that we aren't told that it happened to any other creature. God spoke and they were. But with man, he formed him and then he did what? He gave a soul. What, what made him that living? He breathed into him the breath of life. See in that the working of the Holy Spirit, right? When man sin, sin brings what? One word, death. death. Man died. Instead of being a living soul, effectively he was what? He was a dead soul. The Holy Spirit removed himself from him. 
my opinion, which if I understand things correctly, and if I'm wrong, I apologize, but I see this. We, we see in the New Testament, man's dead. He's dead in his trespasses. He has no ability now to do anything good. He's not being led by the Spirit. God may be restraining him. God, in his grace and mercy, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Right? It's not to say that God has left man totally to himself. But man no longer had that ability to talk with God, to meet with him to fellowship with him. There was now even a greater, if I can put it this way, an even greater distance between God and man. Now not only was it God so superior as the creator to the creature that there was this distance that God by the covenant of works made up, if I can put it that way, Close the gap. But now sin has separated man even at a greater distance. The greater distance. Right? So all of these things are somewhat foundational to what's happening with the sacraments. Jack? Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, it, it, so when, when you start considering this covenant, these covenants and the covenant of grace that we'll come to, then you start as we, right, look at the sacraments. Here's kind of where you're starting from. So God has made a way for us, the covenant of works, to come into that special relationship with him. Man, Adam, sinned, boom. So much for that covenant. Right? As far as man's ability to do anything with it. Paragraph 3. Man by his fall having made himself incapable of life by that covenant. The covenant of works. The Lord was pleased to make a second. Commonly called the covenant of grace. Wherein he freely offered unto sinners life and salvation by Jesus Christ, requiring of them faith in him that they may be saved and promising to give unto all those that are ordained unto life his Holy Spirit to make them willing and able to believe. Now we've dealt with effectual calling, but I think here... You've got something else. Part of this covenant of grace was that, and I would suggest to you this is part of the sacrament of baptism, that in salvation, the Holy Spirit now returns to that man. And it fills him. Right? Part of this purchased by Christ in his mediatorial work, is now to have again the Holy Spirit 
indwelling us and helping us. Right? So, again, somewhat foundational stuff here, but this covenant of grace, life and salvation by Jesus Christ. Those are benefits that we're going to be talking about. The things that the, the, the sacraments communicate to us something about these benefits to help us with salvation. And then paragraph four, this covenant of grace is frequently set forth in the scripture by the name of a testament in reference to the death of Jesus Christ, the testator, and to the everlasting inheritance with all things belonging to it therein bequeathed. So we, the covenant, this covenant was differently administered. This is paragraph five. In the time of the law and in the time of the gospel. Under the law, it was administered by promises, prophecies, sacrifices, circumcision, the paschal lamp. You got your sacraments in here, along with the other things. And witnesses delivered to the people of the Jews, all four signifying Christ to come, which were for that time sufficient and efficacious through the operation of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's working there. Operation of the Spirit to instruct and build up the elect in faith in the promised Messiah, by whom they had full remission of sins and eternal salvation, and is called the Old Testament. The Old Covenant would be the way our confession is telling us that the expression of these covenants, the covenant of works man couldn't fulfill, the covenant of grace, now in the Old Testament was done one way, under the gospel, when Christ, the substance was exhibited, the ordinances in which this covenant, covenant of grace, is dispensed are the preaching of the word and the administration of the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper, which, though fewer in number and administered with much more simplicity and less outward glory, yet in them it is held in more fullness. So now, when we're making use of the sacraments, according to what our confession is telling us, and if we are making use of them properly, I think correctly so, is that we are getting, we should be, receiving understanding, even though things are much simpler than what they were in the Old Testament. We ought to be understanding and getting more benefit, as it were, if I can put it that way. It, the, the, the benefits ought to be more readily visible to us. Right? So now we're going to have to see, all right, what are these things representing, which we'll get to. But they should be making these things clear to us. Whereas, and the administration of the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper, which though fewer in number, administer with more simplicity and less outward glory, yet in them it is held forth in more fullness, evidence, and spiritual efficacy 
to all nations, both Jews and Gentiles, and is called the New Testament. There are not, therefore, two covenants of grace, differing in substance, but one and the same under various dispensations, Old Testament, New Testament. Same covenant of grace, just one looking forward to Christ, one looking back to Christ. Now it's been fulfilled. Makes sense, doesn't it? That we ought to be able to see and benefit and appreciate and understand perhaps more fully. I don't know a lot more fully. I think God was kind to his people in the Old Testament as he is with us. And sometimes even though we have maybe more revelation, I'm not sure we know a whole lot more than they did. But we've got these testaments, they've got this covenant of grace, and God both in both dispensations used, among other things, sacraments to teach us something about them, right? So there's what chapter 7 of the confession dealing with the, the, the covenants um, talks about because, again, understanding that, that these things are to reveal to us benefits, well, where, where's that coming from? What benefits? Well, you've got to go back then to the covenant because the benefits start where? With God's We don't bring anything. Covenants normally, some kind of a covenant generally brings parties where both have something to offer. Into this, God again condescending to bring us into a relationship with Him. That's what this. That's all this covenant's about what God's done. It's not what we've done. So as the sacraments, we, we start with God in his mercy has even considered, has condescended to even have a relationship with us. We didn't earn it. We're not so special a part of his creation that he had to have it, or that we were created to fulfill some deficiency, as some would say. God was lonely. You may have heard that. I don't know. I hadn't heard it lately, but uh, that went around for a while. So God created man so he have some companionship, someone to talk to, obviously. God's not deficient in anything. He didn't need an object to love. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit within themselves that ever they would have needed, if I can put it that way, speaking humanly. I don't know a better way to say it. So they didn't need, he didn't need man, but man Put him in a position over his creation. Put all the creatures under him. Man's sin, that got to be problematic, obviously. 
All the creatures don't submit to him now. Uh, there are several of them that will do him in in a hurry. Uh, so, uh, you know, there, there's so much about creation and so much about God's creation and, and what, what it must have been like. I mean, we see a little bit of some of the things in, in Revelation when the new cre- the, the lion and the lamb lay down together. You know? the, 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 the music, the music that we've never heard, a music created by the creation sounds, I don't know, I have, I have no clue. But the scripture, I think, and, and Paul could probably speak to this more uh, fully, and, and he's probably looked at it more, but the, the, the stars, the melodies there, the, and, and the, the hills and the valleys breaking forth. I gotta believe that before sin, Adam and Eve heard some of that and enjoyed it. Yeah, we just don't know. There's so much there. And what Adam lost, God not only in the covenant of grace made up, but then one day, one day, I think we'll experience what Adam and Eve experienced before the fall. I think in that new creation, we're going to get to hear and see things that will totally, you know, I don't know if we can be blown away in heaven or not, but I think it'll be marvelous there. And God not only giving them all of that, but on top of it, saying, all right. I'm going to bring you into a special relationship with me. You're going to understand. You're going to get to appreciate. You're going to be, Jack mentioned, you're going to be in the image. You're going to have knowledge, righteousness, and holiness. Right? I'm going to give you that there, there are those who say the way man was created in the image of God with dominion. You know, they're, they're, the aspects are reflected. The attributes of God are reflected in how he created man and the responsibilities that he gave him. And there's a lot there. We, we won't go back into all that, obviously. But my point being that here God in the covenant of works, then the covenant of grace, and the sacraments reflecting. So we, we, we have all of this that we can bring to mind as, as we enjoy them, enjoying God. All of the sacraments point us to Christ and the saving grace that we receive as we come to Christ for salvation, they're also a seal. Now, seal was a to affirm its authenticity 
and to, as it were, put the name of the person whose seal was there, put their reputation, put everything they've got, all their power, all their wealth, everything, whatever it was, when they put their seal on it, the force of whatever they brought to that covenant, that is, their position was that this will be fulfilled. I stake everything that there is that I have to stake on it. It'll be fulfilled or else. You know, you know the law of the merge of the Persians and the Medes, right? Uh, if I said it, it'll be done. I can't, it can't be, no one can undo it, right? Well, The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And again, we'll talk about that some with baptism. The seal is that the Holy Spirit now indwells you to, to assist you, to help you fulfill. To, again, what are the main... The benefits summed up in three words, all right, are what? First thing that happens... Morris. One, three words now I'm thinking. First one starts with a J. Justification. Justification. Right? Our justification. Then comes our our sanctification. And then comes our glorification. Alright? Those are the benefits in a, in a summary form. Beth? Adoption comes with justification. Adoption takes place with justification. We are brought, as part of that justifying experience, we are adopted, brought into God's family. Come to him now and call him Father. Right? That's why he cares for us as his children. Yeah, that comes in with that justification. Good. All right, so we've got these benefits. That's what we're dealing with. And the seal is... Nothing is going to stop this from happening. Right? So with baptism, God is basically telling you as a believer, as a new believer, all of my power, all of my wisdom, all of my um, knowledge, my wisdom, my power, my love, everything that I have, I to see that what I have promised will be fulfilled, will come to pass. Right? That's why when we do the Lord's table, Again, the sacraments are a reminder to us, yes, of what Christ has done. It's also a reminder to us of the Spirit and God's pledge, God's seal to bring to pass what I have begun. I'll finish. So.
glorification. Right? The sacraments, special in that, in that way. And we saw that in, in the language in chapter 7 of the Confession on the Covenants. Sacrament, the term sacrament, I think I mentioned this last week. It's not mentioned in Scripture. It's not used in Scripture. Two uses early on. One was, um, and, and I think uh, Jordan had looked up something for us last time, maybe. But um, first one, one of them was a, a, a pledge, as it were, when the uh, Roman soldiers pledged their allegiance to the emperor. Everything they had, right? They were pledging to the emperor. I'll die for you. I'll fight. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. You have my allegiance. The other one, Greek, uh, that was used was with a term uh, that, that looks a little bit like The idea is that it's not that it's a mystery, an unknown. It's that it's something that has a truth that is to be revealed. So there's a bit of a mystery. The, the, the elements, the water in baptism, the, the, the bread and the uh, uh, fruit of the vine are not what's being revealed, right? They represent something. So, well, it's kind of a mystery, uh, if you want to think of it that way. But it's something to be revealed. But these things are hidden. God's given us the revelation. So as we see them time by time as we, the Lord's table, we only do baptism once. But as you see it and as you witness it, that revealing is there. Right? You know. You know what it's about. God's told you. And now as you see it, it brings to your remembrance what it's about. So that idea of sacrament. And you've got the proof text there on page 684 of things we've been talking about. Romans 4, talking about circumcision, Old Testament sacrament. And it uses the words, and he received the sign of circumcision a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet being uncircumcised. So before he was circumcised, he was saved. But the circumcision became a sign and a seal. And you've got that on down, then you've got the, the instituting by Christ himself in the New Testament um, in, in uh, your footnote number two there on uh, page 684, Matthew 28, Christ talking to his disciples, go and teach and baptize. Um, then you've got the institution of the Lord's Supper there, the passage in 1 Corinthians. Then you've got something of the benefits mentioned there in number 3, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 16, the cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion... Now, again, now we're back a chapter, right? The communion of the blood of Christ. The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? And remember, when we talk about communion, communion 
is that coming together for the mutual good and benefit of one another. What do you bring, as it were, to the table uh, each? And Christ brings through his body. The satisfaction of the law was critical, right? The satisfaction of the law was critical. The suffering, the fulfillment of the prophecies. So Christ brings all that. What do we bring? Nothing in my hand I bring. However, what is it that we do bring? We talked about this. What is it that we bring? It is the work of God's people to do what? The work of the kingdom. You're saved. You've heard this phrase. You, you're saved to serve. That's what we bring. Christ is no longer present on earth. But Christ seen in you and me is still present. And that's what we bring to this relationship is that service to Christ here on earth. Right? The same thing. And I hope I'm not boring you to death with, with repetition here. But I think it's important. I think the sacraments sometimes are things. You know, I, I don't, I've heard plenty of sermons on dealing with a particular sacrament. But I don't know, and it's probably my dullness of hearing but I don't know that I've ever heard anybody talking about taking going back and laying a foundation area like we're, we're looking at here with the confession. So, Bob, do you have a question? Is that what we're supposed to take away from Romans 4.11? Is it is a similarity between the Not necessarily. No, I think it's just, I was just pointing out that here at New Testament is referencing Old Testament and telling us what a sacrament is. In, in this case, circumcision, and, and circumcision for a lot would, would uh, they would um, um, connect the Passover with the Lord's table, they connect circumcision with baptism uh, and what's going on, the marking, the evidence. Well, that's what the sacraments are. I mean, circumcision was a sacrament. Uh, and it was an identifying factor. Uh, it was a way that was, yes, this mark marks you, you understand your mind. Baptism does the same thing. Baptism is an is, is a sacrament where what you do is you declare, I'm the Lord, and the Lord declares, you're mine. So there is that affirmation that comes in. So, and we'll talk more about that. Good. All right. Any, anything else that...
All right. Well, let's pray and then we'll go from there. If you got questions or thoughts, you know, let me know afterwards. Send me an email, whatever. We'll be, we can talk about it. Father, we're grateful to you again for your blessings to us. Lord, how much, how much we owe. Lord, we understand that we're here today only because you loved us and gave your son to come and to live and to die and to rise again for us. Lord, we understand that all that we hang our hope upon is what we have in and through Jesus Christ, our communion with him, our union with him, and in the communion, the enjoyment of those benefits. Lord, may it be, even in this day, that we enjoy. We enjoy you, and we enjoy the benefits, even this day, that you've provided for us, that we might know that you are God, that you're our God, that you care about us, and that we owe all that we are and have to you. So go with us now. The remainder of this day we ask, for we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.